Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. I think it's been about a week and a half before I've released anything, so it's good to be back behind the microphone, behind the camera, and release some content for you. We were gone last week, part of the week, to Tennessee, visiting old friends. It's always good to visit old friends, isn't it? It's just a lot of fun to spend time with people that you just pick up where you left off. It had been four years since we went back to where I went to school, where I went to college, and I still have some great friends that live there, lifelong friends that live there, and so the whole family went. We went down to eastern Tennessee, and I tell you, that place in the fall is absolutely beautiful. We had a really good time and just sitting around a fire, hanging out, talking, eating some good food. It was just so wonderful. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back recording. And today we're going to talk about the phrase. We're going to break it down. And I'm sure you've heard it before. It's been around for a long time. But sometimes it's good to revisit things that we've already worked through. And I've talked a little bit about these concepts before on the show. But I wanted to go ahead and go back and, and revisit this. The phrase, we can't change the message, but we have to change the methods is a phrase that has taken root in almost every church planting network. It's taken root in almost everybody's heart. In fact, when Sam and I were hanging out this weekend, my friend down from Tennessee, he mentioned methods once. And I thought, man, I've been thinking about this whole Acts 29 thing, this whole uh, uh, Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, and uh, I'm going to riff on this a little bit today. But Acts 29 is basically a souped up, it's like a 2.0 version of seeker-sensitive movement churches from Hybels to Rick Warren to Andy Stanley, and they just have a little bit better soteriology, but they're rooted in the same kind of what I think is a mistake. And when when he mentioned the word methods, it all kind of came together for me. And so I wanted to throw out a few thoughts today, and hopefully it can be helpful to you to revisit some of these things. And if you're in the church planning world, or if this is kind of still the default thing for you, uh, as I get into this, you're going to be able to understand what I'm talking about, and uh, hopefully there can be a little bit of course correction. Let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help, and trust that He's going to give it. Father, we thank you for this time. It's another morning. Thank you for giving us breath in our lungs. We want to honor you with our lives today. We trust you're going to help us to do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this is going to be short and sweet today. First, I want to reference the Radical Reformation book. This was the first book I bought on Amazon. If you're not watching on Gab right now, I'm holding this up to the camera. This book was by Mark Driscoll. It was released in 2004, and I read this book, and it was like catnip for me. I had just read Velvet Elvis and had struggled through that book because there was one line in there where really kind of alarmed some of the people within what was called the emerging church movement back in the early 2000s. And one of the lines that Rob Bell said was, we, can't, we, we not only need to change the methods, but we also need to change the message. And people started to think, whoa, whoa, what's going on with this? And others didn't and ran with him and, and went off and ended up being a part of you know, what ended up becoming of like Emergent Village and they just ended up dissolving because they all abandoned the faith. But then there was this guy Driscoll who wrote this book and he was talking about reaching out without selling out. And I loved it. I read it and it these kind of ideas are really repackaged Rick Warren ideas, but they have taken such root in the lives of basically almost every church planning network you can possibly think of. And just the, the idea you can reach out without selling out, or we have to change the methods but not change the message, is just a basic default understanding of almost everybody. But I want to push back on that this morning, and I think it comes back to the fundamental issue of what the Lord's Day Gathering and what the purpose of the church is. 
Is it for evangelism primarily? Or when, when the Lord's Day gathering, when we come together, when we're meeting throughout the week, is it primarily for evangelism or is it primarily for, for glorifying the Lord together and encouraging one another? And then evangelism happens as we go out through the, through the week. And I think it's the latter, not the former. And so we're going to break that down and work through this uh, real quick this morning. Okay, so I think there is a fundamental uh, problem with the whole idea of, of methods. Are, are we free to just change methods with evangelism? Because I think the whole premise of that is rooted in the idea that the church, the church has a, a group of methods that's on a platter in front of us, and some methods are going to reach some people in some generation in one generation, and these other methods are going to reach some people in another generation. And sometimes the answers to difficult questions when we're thinking through the church and we have, you know, strategizers and strategy sessions and all this kind of stuff that people used to have. I used to be a part of these strategy sessions about the church and just, uh, it's just now looking back, it's just kind of funny. But the whole concept is that there are ways to reach the gospel that are more palpable to a, a culture, whether you're at the Midwest or on the coasts or what year you're in or something like that. And there is a simple answer to the fundamental problem of that. What is the power of God unto salvation? Well, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's the gospel of Jesus that helps us as we're proclaiming the truth. It's not the methods that we do, but it's the message that we preach that converts the hearts of sinners. The Holy Spirit comes through the preaching of the word. How are they going to know if they don't hear somebody preach it? And it's the gospel of Jesus that does the work. You know, what did Luther say? We're, I mean, it's Reformation Month, and I was thinking about going to our Reformation party with a beer stein and a shirt that just says Philip. Some of you out there are going to know what that means, and others are going to have to work through and think through that, and I'll let you do that. And it's funny if you don't know. Well, the whole thing is God did the work. Luther preached the word. He spent time with his friends, preached the word, and the word did the work. And that's what he had said, is God did this. God just did this. And the whole method, the primary method to reaching the lost is the proclamation of the gospel. The other fundamental problem with that whole idea or concept and why we don't need to change methods at all is because we're not free to change methods. We aren't coming together on Sundays to present methods to lost people. That's not the point of Sunday morning. That's why we don't need to change the methods. What we're to do when we come together on Sunday mornings is to do what God has called us to do in his word as the church. We're to glorify God together and we're to encourage one another. One another passages are sprinkled throughout the whole New Testament. In fact, when we come together, the book of Acts it just reveals to us what they were doing. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, we find that the non-believers were not coming to the Lord's Day gathering at all. They were terrified to come to, to, to the church's get-togethers. They wouldn't want to come. They didn't want to come. All the evangelism, all the mission happened out there. It was the people of God going out and declaring the gospel and demonstrating the gospel through signs and wonders. And it wasn't these people coming together and lost people coming together and getting 40% lost people and 60% Christians together in a room together on Sunday morning. That's not how evangelism happened. That was not their method. It was gospel proclamation it, it, that when they would go out throughout the week on mission, they would share the gospel and the word would do the work. God would change people's lives. He would change people's hearts. Acts chapter 2, verse, 20, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayers. Already that tells us what the church was doing, and we're continuing to do that exact same thing today. When people talk about we need to get back and we need to restore the church and get back to the early days of the church, I'm like, man, we've been doing this. We've been doing this literally every century for 2,000 years, exactly what they were doing in the book of Acts. That's what we're still doing today. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So there has to be some sort of teaching to fellowship. we got to come together. The breaking of bread, food together, and the Lord's table together, and prayers. And as the New Testament unfolds, we find these liturgies that are there. We find this liturgy of what we are prescribed to do on Sunday mornings. These are not methods to reach the lost. These are commandments to God's people. This is what we are to do. And when we look at the Bible, the Bible gives us this direction. And some liturgies are going to look a little bit different than others. But there are key elements of what we are prescribed to do by God when we come together. Can we sing a, a different song or a new song that was written? Well, I mean, my friend Josh is an exclusive psalmist where they're only singing the psalms. When we're commanded to sing the songs, clearly, if we're not singing psalms, we're not obeying the Lord because we're commanded to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. So there's a commandment there. But we have these throughout the, throughout the New Testament, so we know when we come together, we're coming together for Scripture reading. Okay? Paul tells Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of the Scriptures. We are coming together uh, to confess our sins, confess your sins one to another, James 5. We're coming together to hear the preaching of the word. We're coming together to sing. We're coming together to pray. We're coming together to baptize. We're coming together to, to receive communion. So th- these are all things that, that have to be there. These are not methods to reach the lost. These are things that have to be there for us as God's people. And so what's the whole deal with Acts 29 network and any church planning network today. John Harris just did a, uh, an episode or is doing an episode on conversations that matter on Acts 29. And I've been thinking about this for a long time. And Acts 29 and, and all these networks, like I said, and I've, I've taken this a couple times now, so I can't remember if I said it in the last episode or if it was in, in this particular video. But when you think the church's responsibility is primarily to evangelize, then you're going to think that Sunday mornings are for evangelism. And you're going to want those numbers. You're going to want that breakdown. We want a bunch of lost people with us here at, the, at this get-together. That's not how it happened in the scriptures. And that's why, to this day, Acts 29, Mark Driscoll from this book, Radical Reformation, all this was was a repackaging of Andy Stanley, Bill Hybels, and Rick Warren to a new generation. Well, that's all it was. And if we don't course correct, if we don't understand and, and re uh, root ourselves in historic confessions and a historic understanding of what the church is tied into the scriptures, a biblical understanding of what the church is, we are bound to make the exact same mistakes generation after generation, thinking primarily, you know, the same mistake that the seeker-sensitive people made, that, the, that when we come together, it's all for evangelism. Uh, great commission, yeah, great commission. Yes, the great commission, as you go throughout the week, you are sent off as missionaries. When we come together, if lost people are there, 1 Corinthians 14 calls them outsiders, if they're there, they're going to come together and they're either going to think you're crazy or they're going to be cut to the heart. So there, there is this expectation that sometimes lost people are there, but we are not turning our attention to them and then catering all we're doing and getting a group of methods together to make things palpable or more understanding to them. It's a fundamental issue that I think it's good to revisit every once in a while. I guess thanks so much for listening. Hope you all are doing well, and I hope this was helpful today. If it has been, please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Please subscribe and share if you're on Gab. And if you have any more questions about the ministry, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co.